Julia Adolph, and welcome to Loose Leaf Notebook, where we will explore the connection between creativity and mental health, nurturing artistry, emotional intelligence, and self-care. I'm a composer, and I will be sharing my own personal creative process and journey towards mental health, as well as inviting other artists and creative individuals to share their own inspiring stories with you. Today I want to talk about the myth of the tortured artist. The idea that art stems from suffering is deeply rooted in Western European classical tradition, and I know that I internalized it personally at a young age. I've been keeping a journal since I was six years old, and I can see that it started to creep into my writing when I was about nine. At six, I had entries about how much I love to write, just like how birds love to fly, and how playful and enjoyable the act of creating is. Of course, as we get older, it becomes harder to hold on to that sense of joy and wonder. And as I grew up and became more and more anxious and my anxiety disorder became more pronounced, I started to forget about what that initial joyful creative act was really like. I remember in high school learning about Greek tragedy and the idea of catharsis, that the purpose of art was to create an emotional release for the audience member. And we all know that feeling, that rush of adrenaline and emotion that we feel when we engage with a work of art. But we don't talk openly about the experience of the artist while she is actually creating the art. Does the artist have to be in a terrible, angry mood to create really tempestuous music? I don't think so, but that is the romanticized belief. I will often spend hours on 30 seconds of music and go through a variety of moods during that time. I think really great art actually conveys multiple moods and emotions simultaneously. So you can hear a piece of music and feel great joy and wonder and then listen to it a couple of years later and feel a sense of grief with the same exact piece. So it's really no indication of what mood the artist was in. The truth is what makes us human is that we can create meaning out of even the most painful situations. We as human beings know how to take something very painful and turn it into a lesson or a story or a moral that can make us stronger. And that's part of how we survive. So I understand the attraction to this idea that there are people in society whose whole existence is about doing that, is about taking the pain and discomfort and cruelty of life and turning it into something beautiful. I think that's the pressure that we put on the artists of our society. But it's not really the sole responsibility of artists. All people are capable of doing this, and we do this in our own ways every day as we try to deal with what life hands us. But for me personally, the real reason I was drawn to the tortured artist myth is because I was struggling. When you have a mental illness or disorder, it can sometimes feel like your mind has betrayed you. Kind of knowing that it's wired incorrectly or abnormally, and that you have thoughts that don't really belong to you in a way. They somehow exist outside and bombard you. I remember just feeling very powerless um, you know, in those early years of being diagnosed and really feeling that there was something wrong with me, that I was damaged. And this idea that 
that was glorified in the arts made me feel better. It made me feel like it was okay that I was going to be struggling. And then when I did create something and it was shared and people had powerful emotional responses to it, that was invigorating. It was empowering. It made me feel justified. I became completely obsessed with this idea that, you know, I was damaged, but it was okay because I could create this art that was meaningful to other people and it made them feel good. And so this was sort of my service to others. We hang on to this myth of the tortured artist because it gives us the illusion of power. It becomes this addictive antidote to feeling damaged. I felt like the tortured artist myth gave me permission to not take care of myself and stay up all night and eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, anything that I needed to do in order to get through and write my music. But as I've talked about with therapy and medication, I learned that it doesn't have to be this way and I can be a happy artist and there is such a thing as a happy artist. And now that I have a healthier relationship with my creative life, I do experience catharsis when I write. I do go into the studio and I come out feeling relieved and better because I have written and that's it. Just showing up and doing the thing that I love to do and remembering why I love it and that I love it is a very cathartic experience for me. And whatever happens to the audience happens to the audience and hopefully it will make someone's day a little bit better. And I think that as artists, all we can really do is to create space for ourselves and for our listeners to have an emotional experience, whatever it may be. Please feel free to share questions or comments, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Loose Leaf Notebook. I'm Julia Adolph, and the music you are hearing is my orchestral work, Dark Sand Sifting Light, performed by the New York Philharmonic with Alan Gilbert conducting. If you'd like to hear some more of my music, you can visit my website at juliaadolph.com or my YouTube channel, which also has video versions of all of these podcasts. Thanks again. <laughs>